You're talking power levels. Power levels. <laughs> I said how how our levels. <laughs> Not power levels. Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, Okay. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Do you wanna count it down? Do you just oh like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows if your destination is only 22 miles away, but it doesn't appear on your map, you're in the wrong state. Get a new map. <laughs> my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Hello. How's it going? Um, I'm fantastic. How are you? Nice. Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. all right. We don't. I, I think it's interesting that I figured you and I would, as we do this show... I always thought to myself, we're going to be talking a lot during the week about things we want to talk about and that kind of thing, and then we won't talk about things that we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get to the show because we're saving everything for the show because I think about that all the time. I'm like, man, if I see you like, if I see you at like a family gathering, I'm like, nope, save it for the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, I realized we don't, we only talk when we do the show. Yeah. It's like a couple text messages back and forth. But otherwise, we only talk when we do the show. I think it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, that's true. So. I mean, it's... Yeah, there's I just a think level it's funny. of, like, not talking about what we've been watching and stuff like that until we're on the show. And, yeah, it is kind of weird, but... <laughs> I don't know. No, I just think it's funny. Um, what are we uh, watching and reading this week? Okay, so I... See, it's kind of funny because I was racking my brain before I came here, and I was like, I know I watched something, I know I watched something, but I couldn't remember what it was, and I finally remembered it was, uh, I watched Euphoria on HBO. Oh, Are you okay. familiar with the I, series? I'm or? familiar enough to say I know what it is, and I've seen previews, but I have not watched the show. Okay. Yeah, so this is one of those That's things That's the Zendaya where, show, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel like every year or so, like for the last couple years, I've gotten into some sort of like teen drama bullcrap show and it's like it's kind of weird where like and you're not watching Riverdale yeah I need to catch up on Riverdale but oh, that's what okay. I was gonna say like it started with Riverdale where I was like okay this is a show based on Archie comics I'll give it a shot and then I got caught up in it and then I remember like halfway through the first season 13 Reasons Why came out and I checked that out and I was like man 13 Reasons Why is way more extreme and real than Riverdale and Riverdale's still fun, and it's really cool in, like, kind of different ways, I think. And this is somebody who's not caught up saying, but then 13 Reasons Why just felt so realistic and so, like, man, I can't believe what these kids are up to nowadays. Like, this stuff seems so extreme, and I can't believe it. But then, you know, 13 Reasons Why is a show that probably should have gone one season, and it's on its third season maybe going on to its fourth season at this point and it's just one of those things where like i thought the first season was good and they should have stopped there anyways still haven't caught up on i've watched like the third first two seasons of riverdale i'm kind of on a tangent now and all over the place but my point is the latest teen drama teen drama bullcrap show that i've gotten into is euphoria and i think euphoria is one of those things where the subject matter is as extreme as uh, 13 Reasons Why as far as, like, what these teenagers are doing on the show and, like, oh. the issues it's dealing with and stuff. Sure. But the way it's written, I think I enjoy so much better. And it's the show where Zendaya is the, na the uh, narrator. Like, her character narrates everything. And the way that all, like, her monologues are written is, like, a really cool sort of 
sarcastic. Like, there's this sarcastic demeanor to it all, but it's still, um, it's kind of like the stuff that's, like, really true. Because she comments a lot about society and being a teenager nowadays and stuff, and it all just feels, like, so, like, accurate, but it's also, like, the truth that nobody wants to hear sort of thing, if that makes sense. And I just love that tone for the show. Um, I think the show does a really good job of, like, every two or three episodes, there's, like, this one big episode where a lot of stuff happens, and it's, like, there's... I'm trying to think of how I, c I can explain it, but it's, it'll be, like, a couple episodes building up to, like, this really big episode where multiple events are, like, unveiled and multiple crazy things happen, and there's, like, really intense music in the background, and it makes for a really cool, like, exciting watch. The one bad thing I can say about the show, though, is... At the end of the first season, I felt like the last episode was kind of a big letdown. Like, I kind of felt like... The last episode? Yes, yes, because the show kept doing, like... It'd be like, episode, episode, really big, crazy episode. Couple more episodes, really big, crazy episode. Couple more episodes, and then you get to the season's end, and it just felt really anticlimactic. So oh. I was just like... And it's one of those things where, like, I know they're doing a second season, and I know they're leaving things open-ended because of that, but it's one of those things where I loved this show. I think the characters are really cool, as I mentioned. I think the the way it's written is really awesome, but by the time I got to the end, I was just kind of like, well, I kind of wish, like, it ended with some big traumatic event or something really exciting, and it kind of just ended in a way that was unexpected and a little less intense than I envisioned. Overall, like I said, it, it's something I really enjoyed. Um, but this show's also, like... I mean, I gotta warn people, like, you'll get the warning before you watch it, but it's very mature. The subject matter is very severe. Like, um, I, it kind of, like, deals with, like, probably the seedy underbelly of being, like, a high school kid nowadays, if that makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, <laughs> um... Yeah, I've heard many good things about the show, and I've been meaning to check it out. But yeah, this, I, yeah, I just haven't like <laughs> I haven't pulled the trigger on it. So, mm -hmm. um, but no, I haven't heard that about. I've heard all, all everything you're saying about the building to these certain episodes. Yeah, I've always I've heard, but I haven't heard anything about the ending. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, one more thing I could say about the show is there's certain parts that are actually shot really cool too. Like the cinematography is really good in the show. Like uh, in the middle of the season, there's one episode that the whole episode takes place at this carnival and uh watching it like there's shots in this episode that i don't know how they did there's really cool camera work i think like the first like 15 or 20 minutes of the episode might be one camera shot if i remember correctly and it's just like really cool stuff like that so it's definitely worth a watch and i'm looking forward to where it's going i just thought the ending was a little bit like well, okay, <laughs> sort right. of thing. So, that's fair. Yeah. Um, is that all you've really dug into? Since Pretty we much. Last I feel like I've watched more stuff, but I just can't remember. I don't know. I've oh. been busy. That's so. all right. I hear you. Well, um, so the CW shows are starting up again in terms yeah. of like Riverdale and you know Arrow and all those uh, Flash and Supergirl and stuff. So Flash was a nice, solid opening. Um, I felt it was kind of more of the same in terms of like it just felt like a normal Flash episode. But the ending yeah. of the episode gave us a big Easter egg stepping towards Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay, the the nice. Crisis crossover. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Supergirl started. Uh, Supergirl was a basically a normal episode getting you back into the thing. 
Um, they introduced her new costume. Um, if you follow the certain things on the uh, interwebs in terms of Instagram or Twitter, stuff like that, you've probably seen this costume multiple times throughout the uh, summer. They basically took the skirt away and gave her pants. Yeah. Um, the costume looks great. I'm not a fan. I really like the skirt better. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of there's a lot of talk about how the pants look great and everything, and it does. I just I prefer the skirt. Um, yeah, I remember seeing in terms those, of the costume. I remember seeing those screenshots and thinking that I preferred the way the skirt looked. But too. there's a really cool side by side of a comic variant of a Supergirl, uh, uh, an artist take on Supergirl with the costume from the show currently with the pants, and it's like almost screen uh, page perfect. Um, oh, okay. Thing. So knowing they're using a specific take of a Supergirl outfit, yeah. I think is awesome and I love it. But my personal yeah. opinion, I prefer the skirt. I just think it I looks think better. I think it looks cool. The skirt, I always liked just because, like, if you have, like, the Superman family, like, you've got Superman, Superboy, Supergirl, like, I just feel like since she has the skirt, it kind of breaks up her costume in a more unique way. So sure. it's not just, like, a bunch of people in jumpsuits sort of look, or, you yeah. know, in spandex suits. Well, but I've thought... Well, I mean, I don't know. I thought Supergirl's suits looked great all along, and I think the new one, I think it looks good. Oh, her I think suits they do always have looked great, with, whether, yeah. whether you're on the television show or whether you're talking, like, comic book-wise. All yeah. the different variants always look great. I just like the skirt specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Arrow hasn't started yet. At the time of this recording, Arrow hasn't started yet. By the time this recording releases, Arrow's, Arrow's going to be a one-episode in. But it's um, that's a show that I'm really excited about because of how the season left off. This is eight episodes and Arrow's done. It mm-hmm. all leads directly to Crisis. Wow, only eight. That's, that's an, crazy. It's an eight-episode short season. Um, it's going to lead up to Crisis, but the way the season left off is very... Um, it looks like Oliver is going to be traveling from Earth to Earth to Earth leading up to the crisis <laughs> like it looks like he's going to be traveling through the multiverse leading up to the actual event interesting um, um but uh that's something that they talked about on flash because in flash they have the newspaper that talks about barry's um disappearing his him vanishing during the infinite crisis uh, crisis on infinite earths and then here we are moments away from the actual event happening yeah um what do you think would happen if somebody be- who is behind on all these shows just jumped in this season and just watched everything currently? Would um, you be completely lost? Do you I th- think they'd find a way to enjoy it? I or? think they I think they really would find a way to enjoy it in the certain aspects, show to show. Because, like, the Flash episode was very Flash until the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Supergirl was very Supergirl all the way through. Um, there wasn't really any connection with Supergirl to the Crisis crossover. Um, I Like I said, Arrow would probably be the hardest one. But yeah. the one show that they can jump in right now, which is fantastic, was Batwoman. Okay, nice. Uh, that started. It's on Sunday. Yeah, I haven't so seen it. It's Batwoman and Supergirl back to back on Sunday is nights. Batman, is Batwoman on the CW? Yes, it is. Oh, why did I think that was? Maybe it's just yeah. It's part of it's part of the Greg Berl. It's part of the Greg Berlanti. Like you have Kevin Feige like making the Marvel yeah. movies. What it is, and Greg Berlanti's the one putting all the CW superhero shows together. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Nice. Um, Batwoman was a lot of fun, um, and it really kind of makes you. It really kind of sets the stage for what we're getting. Um, so it was really cool. They talked about Batman's disappearance, and I still feel like we're in that fifty-two timeline, mm-hmm. that missing space. Okay. You know when Batwoman actually. Re, uh, surfaced and 
Um, will we see Batman on the show? I don't know, but the suit's there, and they have this whole conversation about altering it for her. And Yeah, that's uh, Her cool. finding one of his remote Batcaves, so clearly that's where she's going to be operating out of, because she doesn't know, like, about <laughs> the real Batcave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, um, nice. Some really cool like, stuff. I always like that sort of Batman-adjacent stuff, I guess. Like, uh, the Birds of Prey uh, series back in the day, how, like... They had, like, all these Batman elements in it, like Alfred was there, and they'd reference Batman, but Batman only makes one appearance in the series, you know, sort sure. of thing, and it's just kind of this cool, like, I don't know, something about it, it still has, like, that cool feeling, even though it's, like, Batman's not officially there, it's still, like, in that world, and I always liked that. I, loved, touches. I loved reading some of that early Nightwing stuff because, um, Bat, like, when I say early Nightwing, I'm talking, like, uh, uh, the uh, the Chuck Dixon stuff it was very it, it was uh, very Nightwing but Batman constantly arrived so it was very uh, Batman adjacent he was always yeah. he was always there as a presence and it was just I, I really like a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. too uh, but no Batwoman was a lot of fun it's I don't know if it's filmed in Chicago or they're just using Chicago as like the motif the wide, or, or the wide shots because oh. there because there's a scene where she's clearly on LaSalle Drive. Riding a motorcycle. So wild. And, and the wide shot, the Sears Tower, or the Willis Tower, if you will, yeah. is now is clearly visible. So And um, why did we... I feel like nobody was talking about this happening. Like I, this I agree. I feel like no one was <laughs> yeah. talking about it, too. Um, what's interesting is Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow are all shot in Vancouver, Canada. Mm-hmm. And... Between three shows, they do a really good job of making all three shows look like three different cities. <laughs> um, so they probably ran into a point like, how are we going to make Batwoman look different? <laughs> yeah. Um, Plus, Gotham has such a unique character to it. It's yeah. like, how do you make it different? Yeah, you know? but that, but that LaSalle Street, mm-hmm. that's that's where they flipped the truck in The Dark Knight. Oh yeah. So to use that street again, it's just it was very clear. Like, oh my gosh, we're in Chicago. Cool. So um, I picked up on it pretty quick. Nice. Um, before we saw the wide shots, anyway. Uh, but no, the, the show's cool. I can't wait for more. Awesome. Um, so I watched um, two movies. I okay. watched Bad Times at the El Royale. Right, okay. Um, have you seen this? Do you know of it? I mean, I've heard people talk about this a lot. I still don't really know what it is. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the El Royale is a hotel that sits on the border of California and Nevada. So the border, the state line runs right through the middle of the hotel. So like half of the hotel is, looks like California and half of the hotel looks like Nevada. But because of like state regulations, you can only gamble on, gamble on the Nevada side. Okay. Because of Vegas and stuff. And you can only like drink or smoke on the California side. It's just because they have like whatever the state regulations are between the two um, on the, in the hotel. So half of the rooms are Nevada rooms and half of the rooms are California yeah. rooms. Um, there's a weird conspiracy thing going on in the hotel and it's, there's these hallways that like back up to all the rooms. So every room has a mirror in it, which is a two way mirror. So anyone in the hallway can view what's going on in the rooms. You find out at some point. So it's like there, it's an unknown hallway. It's an unknown hallway. So like people, like you can spy on the people in the rooms. turns out that the government it's not directly said. You only assume. It's all designed <laughs> to make you assume. Okay. The government is spying on people in the hotel because they found out a lot of senators and congressmen and stuff like that were having secret meetings at the hotel and stuff. So they were like... Um, okay. So, and like, you know, during like Watergate and like stuff like that, they were 
keeping tabs on yeah uh, government officials like using that hotel. Um, so because there's a part where the bellboy gets when they find when they find out about the hallway, the bellboy you know they kind of go after him and he's like I'm I only watch who I'm told to watch and you know what I mean like I'm not I didn't watch everybody but you have but you see all these weird things going on in the rooms like. One this one girl has like this kidnapped person in a room tied up in a chair and like all this other weird stuff's going on and then there's this there's a little, little bit of a cult thing that happens with like this very Manson family esque character in the show. There's a weird mystery that takes place amongst all of it and it's very Tarantino esque where they show you kind of like this scene and then they jump around to all these different things showing you how it all connects and like places throughout. Movie was really fun. I definitely recommend it. I don't want to say too much so, more. No, this is it's funny because okay, th- what you've just described sounds like the perfect movie for me. Like this is up my alley. I get really into like conspiracy and like cult stuff and just like the whole thing. It just sounds awesome. I literally and I don't know if there wasn't enough marketing for this movie or what. Like I heard a little bit of hype. Like I heard a little bit of people talking about this movie. I had no idea what it was, what it was about. I had no, like, nothing to urge me to go see it besides, like, hey, these actors are in the the movie, which I'm somebody who I don't get super loyal or into, like, specific actors as opposed to, like, specific writers or directors or whatever. And so that, just knowing who's in it never didn't really draw me to it, you know? But what you're saying is, like, Making me really like, I want to go home right now and watch this movie because it sounds really neat. The only criticism I have of the movie yeah. is I felt the pacing was a little slow. Okay. That's it. Otherwise, it's I had a lot of fun. Okay. And, uh, there's a specific character that I was very bummed about because um, this is a movie where people die. And there's one character that I was really enjoying and then that character died. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's... It's really, I, I really liked it. Um, Jeff Bridges, uh, John Hamm, Chris Hemsworth, Dakota Johnson. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cool cast. Uh, Jennifer Hudson's in it. Yeah, cool cast. But no, it was really, like, I really enjoyed it. I just, that was my only criticism is the pacing was just kind of slow. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, the other movie I watched and I was kind of, I was kind of burying it on purpose was The Joker because yeah. I feel like there's a lot to talk about. I also feel like we're running long in this watching category. <laughs> I wanted to watch this so bad and I just haven't had a chance to see it yet. Well, before but... I give my review, before I give my like spoiler-ish free review, um, The Joker raked in a $93.5 million domestic uh, for the opening weekend. They um, estimated $80 million, so that's awesome that they... Uh, brought in as much as they did the um uh the movie i absolutely loved absolutely loved it it was so cool um everything about it was great um this this isn't spoilery but i will say that there is something that i never thought i was i never would have expected to see in this movie based on what they told us is when they told us it was a joker origin story knowing that um, I never would have expected to see a specific thing that we did get to see, and it was a nice surprise. Mm. Um, I want to leave it at that because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to go. It was just a nice surprise for me being such a fan of yeah. this area of comics. Um, so so I had a friend who – and I, I'm kind of interrupting you. No, but it's like okay. I, had a, I have a friend at work who is telling me – because he saw it and he said – 
knowing the context of the movie, and because he knows I'm a DC Comics fan, that he thinks I'll get more out of the movie. You're going to get like, way more out of the movie. Um, way more out of the movie than, yeah. than, than, than I... Now, because you're a DC Comics fan, yes, you're going to get way more out of the movie. But I was watching the movie through this weird prism of trying to enjoy this as a one-and-done kind of a DC film. Like, I, it's it's not connected. This is a Joker one-off movie. We're telling an origin story of a character. We're, we're never going to get this performance again, so enjoy it for what it is. Like, I doubt Joaquin Phoenix is going to play the Joker in some Batman thing later down the <laughs> yeah. road. This is a one This is a one thing for him. Um, so I was watching it through that prism. I was, and in that same prism, I don't know where we're going with this because we're building to a character. We're mm-hmm. building a specific character that has, and at, at the point of like, like two thirds of the way in the movie, there are no other DC characters. It's just the Joker. Yeah. Okay. It's just that one character. So I don't expect any other DC references. Yeah. And then that's where it goes from there. Yeah, and that's kind of and that's, that's why I'm saying there's, there's, a, there's a to, very like, nice surprise for me as a uh, of a fan of that part of DC Comics. Okay, um, and I just don't want to spoil it for you. No, yeah, um, I hear you. So just some things I didn't expect to see. It was great, but Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix performance um, is masterful in this incredible way. And one of the thing, and this is something I'm gonna say. Um, this technically could be spoilery, but you might not notice, so I'm not going to count it as a spoiler. You can say it's a spoiler, whatever. But they they talk heavily about his laughter and about him um, creating the laughter based on like psychological conditions he knew about and read about and talked to doctors about like uncontrollable laughing and everything. Mm, okay. That's worked into the story really, really well. And they talk about his condition, and he's got these cards that he hands to people that say, like, I have a condition. My laughter might not match what you feel I'm, I apologize please return this card because he starts giggling on a, on a bus and this lady like doesn't understand and she gets uh, mad at yeah. him and he hands her the card and she just kind of looks at it and like oh okay you have a condition you know what I mean yeah so it's clearly psychological um, but uh, the laughter and this is the part that I thought was incredible about it is this is a very sad movie it's very depressing um, and it really shows how society can destroy a person, and that's how you get the Joker, in a sense, because there's all there's that argument that Batman, because of Batman, these villains exist. Yeah. And this is a thing where, because of society, these villains were created, and then Batman is the response to the fact that these villains exist. Like bat- the villains created Batman because the city needed him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you, but when you watch the Joker laugh. The anytime he's gonna break down and cry, he would laugh, even if it was subtle to big and loud. It was, it's like the laughter replaced any crying that the character would have done, and the laughter looks painful, almost in a sense that he's dry heaving. But the laughter is what's coming out, and it was a slow build all the way to the end when like the big fruition of stuff happens and like there's some stuff in between that takes place that really gets him there but like it's just unbelievable and like I never felt I was watching Joaquin Phoenix throughout the entire movie it wasn't until like real close to the end when I was like starting to notice the actor behind the makeup if yeah. that makes sense so yeah it was just incredible mm-hmm. well I mean I think like I, I love Joaquin Phoenix and I think he's like 
I don't think I've ever seen him in a role that I wasn't impressed with. Like, and he's a guy who seems to choose really interesting movies too. So I think I always knew there was something about this movie, but I think any worries I had never had to do with his acting. Like, I think I was expecting it to be really good. I think I just didn't understand where the movie was going. It's when, with, this with is the a trailers really, and stuff. really special movie. Um, yeah. And it's clear that DC was like, let's make a really good movie. Let's focus on making a good movie. And not <laughs> yeah. that they're not making good movies. It's just let's focus on one solid, amazing film and see what we get. And Todd Phillips really, like, it's just so wonderfully crafted. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to say too much because you have. I seen do. The movie. I do have one question because sure. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but there's that one TV spot that you see all the time for the Joker. Is it the and dancing him, down the stairs? Yeah, dancing down the stairs. So, is there like a five minute scene in the movie where he just dances all the way down some stairs? So those stairs actually have this interesting uh, foreshadowing throughout the film. Um, he, you see him walk up the stairs multiple times, like going to work, walking up the stairs. And well, the first time I saw the stairs, I immediately thought of the idea of the fall from grace. He's like, oh, okay. like clearly like shoulder shrugged, like, okay, here we go. And he's walking up the stairs, walking up the stairs, goes to work. The movie goes on a little bit. A little bit later, you see him walking up the stairs, going to work, doing his thing. And it's, it's troublesome. But yeah. as he lets go and becomes the Joker, and then suddenly he like has become the character that we know he's going to be. That's when he's. That's the scene where he comes dancing down the stairs. It okay. is not that long of a scene, <laughs> right? But it's. But what's interesting <coughs> is my theory was right. They can't show you anything else. Okay. In the trailer, and that's why that became such an iconic. Thing and that's for because the TV it's spots spoilers, or because it's too dark. A little bit of a, a, okay. a little bit of both. So. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. hopefully, I'll get to see this soon. And the stair thing becomes the stair thing becomes metaphorical it. and symbolic. Yeah, as you see the rest of the film unfold. Okay. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um. <clears throat> so let's talk news because we're running <laughs> way long, but why not? Um, Fair enough. So let's do this real quick. There's a couple things that are going to be fast. Um, so did you see the giant Marvel Infinity Saga box set? Yeah, I saw this somewhere, and I... <laughs> yeah, I saw it. So it's releasing on November 15th. It is the entire 23 films from Iron Man 1 all the way to Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, it's go The 4K uh, Mar Infinity box set is uh, $549. Now, I only say that because it's 4K, and that's the most expensive you can get. Um, the Blu-ray is obviously going to be cheaper if you're still on Blu-ray tech. I don't know. That's just a 4K price. I don't know what the Blu-ray one is. I didn't even bother looking at it. <laughs> and the only reason I didn't bother looking it up is because I own them all. So I've been buying them as they've come out, one by one. Like, I've just, I own them all, so I was like, ah, nah, I don't need to buy this. Like, yeah. As cool as it would look on the shelf, I just have them all. I saw it because I just was, kept up with releases. So. Yeah, I saw it and it was just like, yeah, it was just way out of my price range. But uh, yeah. I mean, it it looks like a cool thing. But yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, I feel like anybody who's a big enough fan to buy that probably already owns them all, though. Like, kind right. of is in the same boat. So it's kind of I wonder how many of these they they're making or yeah. not. But yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Stranger Things, um, David Harbor, who plays. Uh, Jim Hopper on Stranger Things 
uh, was on uh, Seth Meyers recently, and um, he was asked about, um, okay, this is a spoiler if you haven't watched Stranger Things yet, Hopper's fate at the end of Stranger Things Season 3. Okay. Uh, they asked him about his fate because it's, like, the camera cuts away, there's an explosion, and you just assume things. Yeah. And he said that he reached out to the Duffer brothers um, if Hopper is dead. And the Huff- Duffer brothers' response was, we're still figuring it out. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> so, in pure Duff- uh, in normal Duffer brother fashion, that sounds correct. And, yeah. And I just enjoy that for what it is. Um, so, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Um, let's talk about Zatanna from DC. Do you remember when I brought up the fact that there's a Zatanna movie coming? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember me saying that, uh, Amelia Clark might be, uh, yeah. Uh, in the, in the running for it. So apparently Warner Brothers has confirmed that she is the favorite choice for the character. Cool. There's no official she's in talks. There's no yeah. official confirmation. By the time this episode drops, it's probably going to be confirmed that she's playing Zatanna. Um, I love this idea. I said it before when it came up originally. This is great. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, look I looked at the board and I saw that uh, story up there and I was just kind of like, didn't we already talk about this? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, it'd, I think it'd be really cool too. It makes me excited. But yeah, I guess we'll just see what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, Amelia Clark probably i mean she's not in any other like huge franchises right now from what i know you know so maybe she will you know jump at the chance for this one so yeah um then uh let's talk about spider-man real quick i know spider-man's back in the mcu we're getting the one movie um there was a really really lengthy article about bob Iger talking about it um and i just pulled one quote um that I wanted to read just because I was like, you know, because Tom Holland reached out to Bob Iger and uh, the guy, the head over at Sony and said, we need to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Bob Iger said, it was clear that Tom cared so much. He's a great Spider-Man. I felt for him. And it was clear that the fans wanted all this to happen. Sometimes companies, when they're negotiating, they forget there's a lot of folks out there that actually matter. So it was just nice to hear that, that, you know, after Tom reached out to him, it was kind of like, we got to make this happen. If not, if not for the fans, we got to make this happen for Tom. Yeah. So it was. It was just really nice to see that was handled that way. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. I like that. Um, uh, Tom Holland is like he's just so dedicated to this role, and like he's just I don't know. It's just cool because like he's honestly like I'll be honest, he's not my favorite live action Spider Man, but he is like. Um, I don't know. You can just tell he's like in it and he's a true fan and he's really just trying to bring the best Spider-Man he can to everybody. And yeah. like, I have to admire that spirit, you know? So, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So have you, you've seen Star Wars, right? <laughs> I've, I've heard of it at least. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't remember um, if I actually sat down to watch it. So one of the characters in the Star Wars franchise that has gotten, a lot of like attention over the years is Wedge Antilles. Okay, yeah. Okay, he was one of the fighter pilots at the first Death Star, and then he became. And then he was one of the fight. He basically was. He was basically one of the fighter pilots throughout the original three movies. Okay. Uh, first battle, the Battle of Yavin, first Death Star, Battle of Hoth, and then you saw him again, um, Return of the Jedi. Um, he became like a fan favorite, 
and um, then he wasn't used anywhere else. I mean, you saw him in books and comics and stuff like that. The actor who plays him is actually uh, Ewan McGregor's uncle. Oh, I, I never um, which, knew that. Which is really funny, just for hmm. the you know family connection, because Ewan McGregor played Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, everyone, there's the argument of in the new sequel trilogy that we're on is where's Wedge? Well, it's been confirmed. Um, this actually comes way of uh, Rebel Force Radio's Twitter feed. Um, it says, "Yes, a representative from the actor Dennis Lawson will be reprising his role as Wedge in Rise of the Skywalker." Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I really liked, I've always liked Wedge's character. I'm really excited to see that. I'd like to see Wedge have to take on the, um, I'd like to see first Wedge order. deal, well, the First Order, but deal with people like Poe Dameron, who right now, is oh, the, yeah. who's like the best yeah, starfighter, be really fun. starfighter on the Resistance and stuff. I so. think it's a cool character that they definitely could bring in and like you said, like have to deal with Poe and stuff like that. Um, right. I mean, it's it's cool. That doesn't mean he's getting his butt in the next wing, but it's if you don't, of, you're missing an opportunity. <laughs> it's it's, it's so. cool. It's like one of those things I wonder why they didn't, like, why it took this long, you know? It's like the same with Lando. Like, well, why weren't these characters around sooner, you know? From what I've read is that Dennis Lawson, who plays Wedge, was very anti-Star Wars for a little while. So, okay. it's like, he wouldn't do Comic-Con appearances or anything like that. Um, there's reports that, like, Alec Guinness was anti-Star Wars, but that was because Alec Guinness had won Oscars for his performances and other stuff like The Bridge on the River Kwai and like other films and then he's going to be remembered for the rest of his time as Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars and he's not going to be remembered for these other things Mm -hmm. so Alec Guinness was very anti-Star Wars for that reason I don't know why Dennis Lawson was Um, I had just read that he was very against it for a while maybe the fame got to him I don't know because Mm -hmm. it could have been at that time when you're in a movie of that caliber everyone's a household name yeah I mean, so. if you're at enough, like, department stores just trying to go about your daily business and People you've got like, fanboys running <laughs> you and stuff, like, I can see how it could get annoying, right. you know? Right. So, um, but I just think that's awesome that Wedge is back. Nice. Um, all right. So, you saw the movie The Justice League, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I vaguely remember it. Did you hear about the billboards in Times Square um, during New York Comic Con? So, this is one of those things that... Um, Yes, I did, but I don't know the full story. It's one of those things where a bunch of people I follow on Twitter were talking about it, and, like, I kind of vaguely know what it is, but I didn't go super detailed into it, but keep going. So the the, the people, like, that are behind the release, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, or release the Snyder cut, um, yeah. the hashtag release the Snyder cut that's been floating around the internet, mm-hmm. um, have been demanding so much that Warner Brothers release uh, the cut of the film, they purchased billboard space in Times Square during New York Comic Con. Now, what's interesting about billboard space is I don't know how long that stays up. It could have just been for the weekend, and if it was, that's cool. Um, if um, if it was just for... If, if it was meant to be longer, that's even cooler, but seriously, yeah. like, everyone... Like, the amount of people that go through Times Square... Um, I mean, you've been to Times Square, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like once. we were there together. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The amount of people that travel through Times Square daily and whatnot, like that's crazy. And I don't. Mm-hmm. And I saw pictures of the billboard, but I don't know how physically large it was because yeah. some of those billboards are so massive. Um. I this podcast has made the statement that we all agree that the Snyder Cut needs to come out. Yeah. Like we all want it. Just give it to us. <laughs> This is going to irritate you even more. Right. Okay? Um, so do you remember uh, 
uh, General Sandwick from Man of Steel. Yeah, he was the I, main military. I know general. where you're going, and then he too. was in Justice League as well. I, he, he was, was a congressman. He, um, well, he was in Batman vs Superman, and then you saw him again in Justice League. I yeah. think. Did you see him in Justice League? I know he was in Batman. I Superman. don't remember if he actually made an appearance. He, he well, was a huge part of Batman v Superman. Well, Zack Snyder confirmed that he was the Martian Manhunter. Yes, the yeah, whole I heard time about this. Yeah, which means, and we know that a Zack Snyder cut exists because Zack Snyder admitted that he has a cut finished. That means that we need that Snyder cut even more now. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> like, seriously, like, when, the more I hear every time Zack Snyder says, hey, by the way, this was a thing that I had planned, give me the Snyder Cut. Like, oh, I yeah. truly feel, I'm sorry, I know there's Joss Whedon fanboys out there, but I truly feel he sabotaged that movie and ruined it. And we didn't get the Justice League film that we should have gotten. So, I'm going to say it again, Warner Brothers, I know you're listening. Release the Snyder Cut, yeah. please. Just get it out there. So I can replace it on my shelf. And I'll say, like, I'll play, like, uh, I don't want to say devil's advocate because I'm actually pointing less fingers than you are with your statement. But No, like, I'm just, I'm I, sorry. I I'm, like, I'm pointing fingers because I, I, um, I've read too much about what happened. Joss Whedon and uh, Zack Snyder, to begin with, have such a different directing style they that do. I just don't feel like he was the guy to finish the film. Like, it just, like, it's a completely different take, and that's why the final result kind of feels really hackneyed together. There's too but, much of the, oh, Avengers worked, bring in that guy. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I feel like that's the biggest problem here in this situation. So Yeah. Um, um, you released, like, so much knowledge right there. One thing I keep, I'm, I am thinking with the uh, General Swanwick uh, Martian Manhunter development is I really want to go back and watch Man of Steel and BVS straight through just to kind of with that perspective of, like, this guy's Martian Manhunter, because maybe there's ways you could read into his performance or the way his character's written where you're like, hmm, like, that's a really interesting sort of thing that was revealed there. Um, Another thing that's kind of just a cool little tidbit is, um, I don't know why, and this might be just for me, but I remember, like, I'm a big DCEU fan, and I follow the actors decently closely online, and I remember uh, Henry Cavill on his Facebook or Twitter page or something, posting back when Batman v Superman came out, I think he posted a selfie and he was in Times Square and behind him there was like this huge Batman versus Superman billboard, like right I think up I there. remember and that, that was picture. Like, yeah, and that was like a big thing was like these huge billboards in Times Square. And it's kind of cool that like this iteration of the DCEU has like a weird connection to Times Square and like the uh, these uh, Snyder cut billboards, you know, being purchased oh. in Times Square is kind of just a cool like full circle. Sort That's of interesting. interesting. I didn't thing. think about yeah. it that way. Just and like, I don't know if any. I don't even know if the people who got the billboards think of it that way. It's just kind of like a cool little tidbit that I notice yeah. and I think of. So yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just I want the Snyder cut, and the more I read, the more I'm just like, come on, <laughs> yeah. you know it exists. Just let him put it out. And I think, but then again, Warner Brothers probably doesn't want to go. Yeah, we were wrong. We messed up because if the Snyder cut comes out, and then everyone starts like, oh my god, this is the Justice League movie we should have gotten the whole time. Then I'm just saying, put it out on a Blu-ray release. I'm gonna yeah. buy it. You know, maybe they're just trying to give some time in between. And like, there's we've had enough time. Like, Peter. The Snyder, the Snyder <laughs> cut isn't uh, the Snyder cut isn't complete. So 
I, they don't want to release an unfinished product if like special effects are completed the thing. at certain points. I know stuff, for but... I know for a fact that the opening scene of Justice League with Batman and that that robber, like the the guy robbing the apartment, and Batman catches him and uses him as bait for the uh, Parademon. I know for a fact that that scene was a Joss Whedon add-in. Yeah, they brought the actors and in and they sh- they shot that scene. I love that sequence. So if you're going to take anything from the Joss Whedon Justice League and put it in. Leave me See, that. Give is, me the rest of the. That's what I, I remember. Joss Whedon saying he put that scene in there, but then I also like don't know if that's true because that scene feels so Zack Snyder. Like it, just the way it's shot, the I know it tone does. of the light. I know it does. Feels but so if it's Zack true Snyder. that that's if it's true that that's well, it's, Joss and, Whedon, then and, but yeah, and it may, does maybe Joss Whedon did do that. But then I'm like, why didn't you? take that tone and like bring it to the rest of the film yeah, you know <laughs> so it's kind of confused yeah. but i and remember the russian uh, family is not in the movie at all in the snyder cut yeah i heard about that because yeah, uh, that was all joss whedon <laughs> i saw on twitter on twitter some or one time somebody said something to Zack snyder about the russian family and justice league and he said what russian family <laughs> that was really funny <laughs> and i don't know if he's actually even seen the final cut of the movie so. i don't i don't know if he has either but um, he needs to, so we can understand our pain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it for the news. I don't want to rail on the Snyder Cut thing too long, but because mm-hmm. we've talked about it before. So, um, uh, you ready to do the list for the night? Sounds good. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, we're going to run the list. So Ryan, you're up. And now for the top five. All right, so this is my pick for the week. Yeah. Um, we are uh, talking about an actor. We haven't done an actor list in a really long time. That's why I wanted to do this. I just thought it'd be fun. Um, and it's only because I realized we hadn't done an actor list. Um, and I was just thinking about movies coming out soon, and I saw a TV spot for uh, Zombieland 2, and I thought to myself, oh, hey, let's use... Uh, and I thought Woody Harrelson... When I originally saw Zombie Line 2, I was like, we should do that because that'd be a crazy body of work because he's been in so many films. Yeah. But I also watched, I was watching the trailer and there was this moment in the trailer that made me laugh and it was an Emma Stone moment. And then I was like, let's do Emma Stone movies and save Woody Harrelson for another rainy day when we you know, when we really want to dig deep on an actor. So yeah. and that's the only reason I chose Emma Stone because it was just this moment that made me laugh. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, she's so good in everything she does. I'm like, you know, let's just do that. Chances are we'll do Woody Harrelson when we do when Zombie Land 3 comes out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, actually, we'll probably hit Woody Harrelson when Venom 2 comes out because he's Cletus Cassidy. Oh, so, spoilers. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I don't know if he's going to be in Venom 2. We haven't gotten there yet. We just know that yeah. he's Cletus Cassidy. Um, I think he's going to be in Spider-Man 3. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Let's, Maybe. <laughs> let's really speculate and drum up rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, this was my list. You get to go first. Do you have any honorable mentions? I actually don't, do not. Oh, I have yeah. two. <laughs> Sorry. Sweet. I'll just roll through them real quick. Um, my first honorable mention is Friends with Benefits. Okay. Have I've never seen this? seen this one. This is an honorable mention only... Because Emma Stone is only in the film during the first five minutes of the movie. Okay. In the, in the movie, <laughs> yeah. uh, Justin Timberlake's dating a girl, Emma Stone, 
She breaks up with her. She breaks up with him, and Justin Timberlake is now single. And then Mila Kunis is in another relationship with another guy who breaks up with her, and then she's single, and then Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis have a romantic comedy together. Mm-hmm. So Justin Timberlake's breakup with Emma Stone is awesome. It's such a great scene, but she's only in the movie for that first five minutes. Okay, fair enough. Um, I remember this when this movie came out, there was another movie, I think it was Just Friends, came out like, no, at the same time. No, it's called uh, No Strings Attached. Oh, okay, Natalie right. Portman and Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, and it was the same plot. Friends with Benefits is better. Okay, fair enough. They're and both know, good movies. And I but, don't know which one like was in the works first, but I remember there's this really funny... Uh, I think the Nerdist put out this video back in the day showing both of the movies like side by side and like showing how they're both actually the exact same film. And maybe they're actually way different. I haven't seen either the one. Difference, I just thought it was fun. The biggest though. difference between those movies is that Friends with Benefits is a romantic comedy in the sense that it's a romantic comedy. And it's funny and it's exciting and whatever, standard romantic comedy stuff. Okay. No, uh, no Strings Attached starts as a romantic comedy and becomes a serious love story. Oh. That's, yeah. the, that's the big difference. It starts as one thing and then becomes a serious thing. It's almost as if there were strings attached. It's almost <laughs> as if there were. <laughs> yeah. Both movies are good. Friends with Benefits is better. But she's only in the movie for like five minutes. So that's why it gets an honorable mention. I just like the movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the other honorable mention I have is a movie called Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stoppin'. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this it's is the, uh, it's the, the Lonely Island, Island movie. Okay. Yeah. Again, she's only in the movie for like a biscuit. <laughs> okay. Um, she's just in there for this brief moment of time. Um, but the movie is so funny. If you know Lonely Island, if you know Andy Samberg's like humor and all that stuff, and then you understand how pop culture works and how the music industry and all that stuff, it's definitely a movie you should watch because there's it's. It gets the weirder it gets, the more entertaining it gets. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's so many people that are in the movie that play themselves. <laughs> nice. So it's like when you look at the credits, it's all, all these like giant names, and they all say himself, herself, himself, himself, herself. You know what I mean? Nice. All that. Yeah. It's it's really cool. Um. So yeah. Um. Those are my two honorable mentions, only because she's barely in them, but they're good movies. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what's your first one? So my first one, I actually did want to mention, I didn't have any honorable mentions because this, uh, the list of films that Emma Stone is in is actually way shorter than I ever thought it would be. I, like, same here. Like I, I looked, looked at her up. IMDb page and I'm like, that's it? Like I thought there was going to be some older stuff that I forgot she was in, but there really wasn't. And I was just like, oh, I guess I have a very small number to choose from. And I haven't, there's some of the bigger movies I think I really missed. Um, speaking of bigger movies, you might have been saving this one for further down, but the first movie I want to talk about is Birdman. Uh, we can talk about Birdman now. We okay. did match, um, and it is, like, there's one I'm saving for the end, and I yeah. don't know if you've seen it, so, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Birdman is I a... Own, I own Birdman. Okay, nice. I thought this movie was interesting. I think, for me, the best part of this movie is the way that it's shot. How the whole movie is basically shot as, uh... A single camera shot. Yeah, and that, it's, I, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, I mean, you watch the movie and you can tell at certain parts that, like, they go down a super dark hallway and the screen goes completely black for a couple seconds and you think, well, they might have broken the camera shot right there, but then you think, well, that's okay because the previous 20 minutes were a single camera shot. And it's one of those things, like, I'd love to see a documentary about the making of this movie to know, like how long certain parts of the movie actually took to get perfect and stuff like that. But uh, I thought this was an interesting movie. I just, 
it's not super high on my list because I honestly don't remember a ton of the plot from when I saw the movie. Like, I know it's about... Um, from what I remember, it's kind of uh, Michael Keaton's character is experiencing like a bit of a midlife crisis as he's like part of this big like Broadway show and it's kind of like it has to do with a lot of the interactions between the cast and crew backstage and all that and it gets really crazy but I think the problem is it wasn't super memorable for me and like like I know Emma Stone's in this movie but I can't remember a lot of she played uh, what Michael, she, did. she played Michael Keaton's daughter Okay. In the film. And that, that I, I vaguely remember that. But, like, and I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Like, I liked the movie, but I don't think it was as impactful on me as I, like, hoped it was. I still think it's an amazing feat of cinematography. I still think it was good, but it wasn't, like, a movie that I think is going to stick with me for years and years based on the story. And that's the only reason why it's not higher on my list. And you, I mean, feel free to disagree, like... I might be in the super minority here. That's just kind of where it sits for me. So no, I'm the movie was weird enough to where I didn't put want to put it lower. But it's such a it's such a good movie. It's such a uh, special film, not just for her, but like for Michael Keaton and the director and Edward Norton's fantastic yeah. in it. And the movie got Best Picture that year. And you know what I mean? Like it's such a really good movie. And I know a lot of people don't like it. And I have a feeling it's mostly because a lot of people don't understand it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, there were a lot of people I talked to that were like, I don't understand why that movie even remotely won Best Picture. I'm like, well, it's a movie about Hollywood, and Hollywood likes movies about Hollywood. And I think that's so. an issue, too, where there's, like, that sort of disconnect between Hollywood, who makes up the Academy, <clears throat> who nominated this for Best Picture, sure. and then the average Joe sitting at home watching the movie who might think that it's good but might not see as much importance in, like, you know, the culture around, like, Broadway musicals and, like, just all the things in the movie. And not saying that either opinion is correct, but um, it is a thing where it's, uh, there might be a disconnect there. And that's okay, but it's kind of cool that I feel like me and you are kind of playing off this disconnect right now <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I totally understand that. And when I talk to people about it, that's how I always get it. It's always, like, they're... Like, we don't live in Hollywood. We don't know how it works. But yeah. when you go to school and you learn some of these things, like, I have an idea of how things function, and I appreciate it. On a, Like, yeah. I, I watch the Oscars every year because I appreciate it, yeah. and I support the industry and all that stuff. So, um, And I, I liked this movie. Like, it makes my list, and it's like, uh, like, I liked the movie, and I was really glad I watched it. I thought it was really interesting. But for me, it just wasn't... I know it won Best Picture, but I feel like I've seen Best Picture winners that were more memorable for me or meant more to me, actually. And so, like, you know, it's a personal list, and so that's yeah. just kind of where it sits. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, I matched with you on Birdman. Sweet. Um, so what else you got for Back me? Back to me. Okay. I feel like we're going to match a lot. <laughs> Probably. Uh, the next one, we're actually... Which already... doesn't make for a lot of debate, but I think we're going to match a lot. <laughs> We were uh, already talking about this movie a little bit, but the next one I want to mention is uh, Zombie Zombie Land. Yep, matched um, again. We've talked about this movie before. I think it was the Road Trip movie episode. I'm not quite sure, but yes, we did. Um, that was when we talked about it. This is uh, this is a good solid zombie flick, but it's also a cool sort of uh, ragtag group sort of road trip movie. I I like this movie a lot. I think it hits a lot of great 
sort of uh, zombie movie tropes, but in the best way, you know, some of the ways it uses those tropes is sarcastic, some of the ways it isn't, but it's just an enjoyable flick. I think um, the one, the only criticism I ever had of Zombieland was that I always felt that, and this sounds like a weird criticism, but I always felt like they needed to have more zombies in it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because the, you start the movie and there's a lot of zombies. And, and then, then there's this down part. There's this down part in the middle where there's almost no zombies for like an hour. And then it ends with like this huge awesome Horde zombie ba battle. But I, I remember, so do you remember there's this part where they go, they stop at this random gift shop and they kind of loot the gift shop and find supplies and stuff. Does this ring a bell at uh, all? Yes. Okay. Yes. So when they open the door to this gift shop, a zombie comes out, and uh, is it Tallahassee? Is that Woody Harrelson's yeah. character? He shoots the zombie and kills him, and he's like, you know, hey, what do you think, zombie kill of the week or whatever? And I remember at that part, I was like, man, they could have had, like, five more zombies and have this really cool fight scene. And uh, then I was like, why is he saying zombie kill of the week? That's not even the best zombie kill of this movie so far. And I remember just thinking, like, this movie's great. I like it. I just wish there was a little bit more zombies in it. Um, the scene you're referring to, and I agree with you, that's not the best zombie kill we've seen in the movie. Yeah. But in the terms of the length of their adventure, it's clearly that's the best kill for that week for them because okay. we're not along in the adventure and i don't know if they ever said like how long they were they together didn't, but it was clear part, they so were, i just assumed it was, it was clear they were traveling for a while yeah and, you know it's like hey you know best kill so far yeah right guys you know and then later okay. we'll see some cooler stuff that's um, a that's a good way to look at it that's how that's honest. how i yeah. took it anyway um yeah this it's just and i totally understand what you're saying but i have <laughs> always i've always viewed this movie in the terms of uh the down parts just for character building to later the big ending thing right so. yeah and i i think it's great like i like the movie a lot i just it's the only thing that i i always thought was like man they could have just thrown a couple more zombies in there yeah. a couple yeah. more there a dash of zombies here a sprinkle of zombies there um okay I feel like they were more sprinkled than dashes yeah. um i do think that uh this was a movie too that emma stone wasn't like I don't think she was yet the big household name she was now. Like, it was one of the movies where she was starting a ton of recognition, but I think this one kind of, like, made her stand out as an actress to me a little bit more based compared to the stuff I saw her in before. See, I feel like sense. she was already, like, a household name, and then they put her in this movie to really? help sell the movie. Well, like, what, like, what was she a household name I think this, this came... came I'd have to look it up, but I think she did the help before this. Yeah, okay, and that's, um, like, I know I never saw that. Okay, it's, um, the help's great. It yeah. made my short list, but it did not make my top five. Um, <laughs> I'd have to, I'm gonna have to look her up again, but I feel like, like, she was already a household name for, like, stuff like The Help and House Bunny and a couple other movies, like, super bad for example but um, i guess i just like i guess like my vetting process for who i'd call a household name i still think is a little like like I, those movies are some of the movies you mentioned are good and i like them but i still don't know if i consider her a household name by that point but sure. <laughs> that's just kind of matter of opinion too so yeah um i'm just checking okay wow Zombieland was early in her career yeah much earlier than i thought so yeah, she was a household name from Superbad before uh, Zombieland. Uh, the help didn't come till later. So, um, 
Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna leave her page up so in case that's we another have to... match. I can't remember. That's the... another okay. match. So it hits right back to you. Okay, cool. So this is uh, this next one. I actually didn't think was gonna make my list, but it does, and that is the Amazing Spider-Man, the uh, first movie. This is the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. Where the Emma first Stone Amazing, played... the first one. Yes, the okay. first one where we did not match here. Okay, nice. Uh, Emma Stone plays Gwen Stacy in this movie. I think. This movie, I do remember. She was. I, I loved her as Gwen Stacy. By the way, yeah, I bought it. Like I wasn't. This was one of those casting department things where I was like, "Really, Emma Stone for Gwen Stacy?" And maybe it was the red hair. <laughs> um, but then when I saw the movie, I was completely. I, I just bought it. Yeah. So. See, I wasn't even there because I was thinking like, "Really, another Spider-Man movie?" <laughs> and then I saw oh, it, and I was like, okay. "Okay, that's not too bad." Um, but this is one, and I. Based like so far on my list, this is one that I can say like I thought her acting was amazing in this movie. Like it was really good. There's a lot of parts where she just knew how to convey like what her character was thinking, what she was feeling. I remember one of the specific scenes was the first time. I think it's the uh, first time that Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy kiss in the movie, and it's that uh, balcony scene when uh, Peter Parker's over at her house for dinner, and I think he has to like run off and go do his Spider-Man stuff. And I remember uh, they had this kissing scene and it was like, she played it so well where you could tell like, she's annoyed with him because she was mad at him and then he made her kiss, uh, made him, he made her kiss him, but then she was also enjoying it at the same time. And it was like this really well done, like just the look on her face, you could tell exactly what she was feeling. And I was just really impressed by that alone. Um, and, like, yeah, like I said, I really like this movie. Honestly, I don't know if I like Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield better as Spider-Man. They're almost, like, kind of a tie for me in a, with, in a lot of if ways. If we take so. Tom Holland out of the picture, yeah, Andrew Garfield for me and Tobey Maguire, they have these moments where each of them is good for their own reasons. Yeah. It's almost like... It's it's like they took two different eras of the Spider-Man mythos and told two different stories... So it was like they were kind of like perfect at the same time. I did like Andrew Garfield's sass a little bit better. Yeah. Than uh, Tobey Maguire's. I always liked, um, um, yeah, like Andrew Garfield is a great Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire is a great Peter Parker sort well, of thing. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like Andrew Garfield has these great Peter Parker moments, too. So I don't know. It's <laughs> like it's like they're so like equally good, but there's things yeah. that they did The only thing I was always that, on the fence with, with uh, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker, is... He was way too much of a cool guy. Like, he was, like, oh, like sure. kid, people were picking on him, but I was just kind of like, why are people picking on him? He doesn't seem like a nerd. He just seems like yeah, a normal, he like, He wasn't cool getting beat kid. up by like, Flash Thompson like he should have been. But, well, I think, yeah. like, they, he was, but I was like, but why? <laughs> sort of thing. Like, right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So now you actually get to go because we didn't match. Yeah, I get to go. And I and I was I was looking at the Spider Man movies because they made this both Spider Man movies made my short list, but neither one made my actual list. And I was like, I wonder if we're gonna hit these tonight or not. Yeah. Um. So my next pick for the evening is Easy A. Okay. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw this one. Okay. Did yeah. you like it the way your response, I thought it was like your face was interesting. So <laughs> I thought I liked it. Okay. It wasn't like. Uh, it wouldn't be like a desert island movie for me at all or anything like that, but it was okay. All right, well, if we were making, if we were told I could pick five movies for Emma Stone to take the desert island, this would be on it. Okay, nice. Um, I really enjoyed EZA. Um, Stanley Tucci is phenomenal in this movie. I mean, she's great in this movie, but 
when I, Stanley Tucci really helped sell this movie to me yeah. when I found out he was in it I was like I gotta see this um her the opening of the movie made me laugh just because of the the card uh she gets that like card with the it's one of those music cards with the song and it's like the opening credits and she just listens to it over and over and over and over and over and over again until the card battery dies and she doesn't <laughs> have it or she could just put the song on and play it <laughs> that's um, funny that made me laugh yeah but the movie is basically the scarlet letter um and I also liked how when she was narrating the whole time, though the whole story, that eventually you find out it's the YouTube video that she's doing, um, that the whole thing's a YouTube video. Yeah. You know, it just, the movie just worked on all these levels, and it was such a wonderful message at the end of the film, and overall I just really, really liked it. So um, if you haven't seen Easy A, I highly recommend it, but um, it's just a really good movie. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. all I got, so... Yeah. All right. Back to you. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, uh, yeah, my last pick could actually lead really well into my next pick, and this is a movie that everybody hates, but I actually really love, and that's um, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Oh, yeah. So I actually think I like this movie better than the first one, and it's one of those things that, like, Did everybody, not everybody hates this movie. <laughs> I don't hate it. I yeah. I but, don't hate it at all. But I know I see so much hate for it online, and like. I don't know if I'm missing something because I actually really like this movie. Like, I don't know what it is. Well, first is, off, but... let's put it this way. Um, so the Emma Stone aspect of Amazing Spider-Man 2, I thought she was way better in Amazing Spider-Man 2 than Amazing Spider-Man. Really? Yes. And okay. I And I totally bought her more as Gwen Stacy. And I knew, and I, oh, spoilers if you haven't seen this, but I was in my seat terrified knowing that there was a chance we were going to see her die at the end of the movie. And I, I was just like, I can't believe we're about to see this, we're about to see this, we're about to see this. And then the moment happens, and it just, visually it was just an incredible moment, but it was still yeah. like, I lived through it when I read the comic book. I don't know if I want to live through it right now, like, you know, because yeah. um, I really, like, I really bought their relationship. I really bought the chemistry between yeah. her and Andrew Garfield. It was just incredible. So I was I was on board for that the whole way through. Yeah, and then um, I, I like how, just relating that, like, Peter's guilt at the end of the movie because of how he, like, promised um, her dad that he was going to watch out for her yeah. and stuff and how he felt like he screwed up. And that's kind of like, I was always disappointed they didn't continue that series because I wanted to know, like, where, they, where do they go from here? And this is like, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that this is uh, me as a comic book fan saying, like, where does the, do these characters go emotionally as opposed to yeah. what bad guy is he going to fight in this next movie or whatever? But, uh, yeah, keep going with um, what you're saying. The My criticism with Amazing Spider-Man 2 is Jamie Foxx. Okay. Specifically. Yeah. Um, they had they had to they put in a bunch of extra villains in this, so the Rhino's in it. But okay. I like I liked the Rhino. I, I really I, I really a... liked the Rhino. I thought that was great. Um, Paul Giamatti's the Rhino was totally fine. I liked it a lot. Um, and then I loved that scene at the end when Andrew Garfield realizes he has to be Spider Man and then goes um, and has to go and that kid kind of stepping in for him. It's just it's such a cool moment. Yeah. Um. My problem with Jamie Foxx in the movie is Jamie Foxx as Electro is not a problem. Jamie Foxx before he becomes Electro is the problem. <laughs> um, I felt like he watched Batman Forever yeah. and saw Jim Carrey's performance and then went out there and basically did Jim Carrey yeah. leading up to becoming the villain. And I saw Batman Forever <laughs> a long time ago. 
I felt like I got a repeat performance. Like there was no one on set going, dude. So you what know, it, and it really, really bothers. What me. would you say if you found out Jamie Foxx said? I did it as, as an homage to Jim Carrey's, like, Edward it would It would still Batman almost forever. irritate me because... <laughs> it would still almost irritate me because I feel like someone on the set, specifically the director, should have been like, that's not this movie. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. You know, I, like, um, I'm sorry, that's not... As a director, that's not what I'm looking for. I, I, do, I do understand that criticism, and I think... Um, I do, uh, like... I get that Jamie Foxx's character in this movie is, like, pretty goofy, but, like, honestly, like... Not when he becomes Electro. No, I know, and that's, like, the thing is, like, I kind of was on board with it. Like, I was okay for him being a little bit goofy, because everything else in the movie I was liking enough that, like, even if I didn't like that character, I think I'd still like it. And, like, I know, I feel like such an apologist for this movie, but, like, I... I just think it's, like, really fun. Like, I, I don't know. I really enjoy this movie a lot. Um, one thing I do want to point out, though, because you said they have extra villains in the movie, because a lot of people complained about that, like the rhino scenes at the beginning of the I, I liked the rhino scenes. I thought they were great. Yeah. Um, Here's a... Can I point out something that yeah. a lot of people don't realize? There's the same amount of villains in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 as there are in The Dark Knight. Okay, hold on. And the villains kind of fill the similar roles, to be honest. Yeah. So, because in the Dark Knight you have the Scarecrow at the beginning. Yeah. And then you have the Joker, who's the main villain, and then Two Face comes in at the end. Yeah. And it's actually pretty similarly structured due to Amazing Spider-Man Two. And you could maybe argue that Amazing Spider-Man Two stole that st- structure, but I just think it's funny how like this one movie does it and everybody loves it, but this other movie does a similar thing and well, everybody hates it. I will say that I will say in direct argument between the comparison of those yeah. two movies that the dark knight is a masterpiece of filmmaking and the well, spider-man's not, not remotely I'm not, close in terms what, of that bar um i wouldn't i'm not like arguing that the amazing spider-man 2 is as good of a movie as the dark knight okay but the thing is i think that the fact that the dark knight has the same amount of villains Kind of just, negates the argument that there's too many villains in the Amazing sure. Spider-Man Two, and that's just sure. kind of like multiple the villains thing I can like be handled think. if you do it right. And we have one, at least yeah. one movie that has a perfect example, and Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't have a problem with the multiple villains. Felicia Hardy is in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, and you know I remember sitting in the theater, um, and when they mentioned her by name, my face went what. Really? And then, a, and then the person I was with was like made a look looked at me like you'll have to explain to me what that is later, right? Because I didn't think we were getting to the black cat yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now that I know we're not getting any more Andrew Garfield movies, I would have all been about like, hey, we had the black cat in a movie. Are we doing anything with that? You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's what's funny too is like Sony had like plans to do so many movies within that franchise, and just it yeah, never. Happened, I mean, we but... might be getting a black cat movie anyway, which yeah. would be great. But I'm just saying. You know, um, so there were more characters in that movie than I think people give credit for. Now, I am not a big Green Goblin fan. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so, um, I could have, like, my problem is I the Green Goblin, the Goblin stuff in Spider-Man, to me, just gets tired. Like, there's, okay, too, yeah. there's too many Goblins. Yeah. And it just gets, I just get bored with it after a while. So, like, when we're like, hey, we're doing the Green Goblin <laughs> again... <laughs> 
Um, it's just like, okay, here we go. So, to be honest, I'm kind of hoping that on the next Spider-Man film we're not doing the Green Goblin, but yeah. if we are and we're going to get to see Marvel's take on it, I guess that's okay. I feel like they probably so. won't, though. I feel like this new like Spider-Man's far enough removed yeah, we, from... Yeah, Harry Osborn's yeah. not in this new Spider-Man stuff, so maybe we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> like, you know... Um, but we'll see what happens down the road after uh, the next movie's done and Sony's got to make their Spider-Verse. We'll see what comes I am up, trying to so. think. I feel like the majority of Spider-Man movies, there is a goblin who appears in every single one, except it, for, like, a select few. Yeah, I mean, it's all three of the first Spider-Man films. Yeah. The Tobey Maguire and films. And then Amazing the Spider-Man 2. And <laughs> um, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, and, he makes right, an appearance. Just, he's and, constantly there, and that's yeah. fine, but it's like... It's also like I just get bored with it because yeah. there's so many. Um, so yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to have like such a huge discussion of this movie. No, it's okay. Like I enjoy it a lot, and I just think it's it's kind of funny to me. Like everybody else, hates I don't mind. It, That's but... why, like, and I knew when you brought it up, I'm like, we're gonna go on a tangent, but I gotta talk about <laughs> I gotta talk about Emma Stone for a minute. That's the reason this movie got brought yeah. up. But she's I love her in that role as Gwen Stacy, and that was really like broke my heart to have to watch that. Yeah. Um, at the end of the film when she dies, spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> at any rate so it comes back to me yeah alright so my next pick of the evening is House Bunny okay have nice. you seen House Bunny yeah like I, I've I've seen it but it's not like uh, it's one of those things I've had on in the background before but haven't Man, like, I'm paid I'm really curious about what your final pick is so that's oh really that's, okay yeah, really curious because <laughs> there's a movie I've been saving to talk about because it's probably my favorite Emma Stone movie okay. period yeah um, and I'm really curious to see what you're going to say <laughs> Um, no, but House Bunny, um, it's basically, if you don't know what this is, um, definitely go watch this. It's basically, uh, Anna Ferris plays this, um, uh, playmate for Playboy that she thinks she's getting kicked out of the house and it was just miscommunication. So she just leaves and then she stumbles onto like a college campus and gets the idea that she's going to be a sorority, uh, house mom for a sorority and Emma Stone is like the president of the said sorority, and it's like the ragtag Revenge of the Nerds kind of group. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, um, it's it's such a it's I mean the, the message of the movie is great, but the uh, what the characters go through and how they grow and you know it's just it's a phenomenal movie as a whole. Um, you know about teaching each other about different aspects of life and blah blah blah. But the movie is hilarious. From the beginning to end. Like, mm-hmm. you, it's a movie that you'll laugh at all the way through. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I do so. like, uh, that movie does a lot of, um, like I said, I haven't, like, watched it super intently, but, like, that movie does a lot of this sort of, like, thing where Anna Ferris's character is just so dumb, but, like, in really funny ways. Like, when you hear her talking to people and just things that she doesn't know or understand. She doesn't understand. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it's just pretty good, so. And then it's kind of funny, um... She's Very in, naive. Uh, I think it, the movie's Just Friends with uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Amy Smart. You know that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's in that movie, and Anna Faris plays, like, almost the exact same character, but, like, different, I guess. Like, yeah. the pop star version of it. And that's really funny, too, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, that was House Bunny for me. Just a really good movie. Um, definitely, definitely check it out if you haven't. It's such mm-hmm. a great comedy, so. Yeah. So, um, going back to my final pick, um, actually, when you said you were really curious, I realized I don't think you like this movie a lot, but this is probably my favorite movie that Emma Stone's in, and that is... I have a feeling we didn't Super bad. Oh, yeah, then we did not match, so... This is a movie that, um, I actually remember when this came out, 
uh, Drew, I think you... This is the movie that kind of put her on the map. Yeah, and I think you didn't necessarily like it a lot because I think... I think Knocked Up came out, and that was kind of like... No, Superbad came first. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Superbad came first. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I could I could pull that one up. Keep talking. Okay. <laughs> well, either either way, and I'm not saying like it matters which Super one came Bad first, was but... 2007? Keep talking. Superbad was 2007, so let me look up okay. Knocked Up, so... Um, well, I wouldn't, wasn't even like necessarily wanting to like argue which one came oh, out Oh, interesting. First, but... They came out in the same year. Okay. But, so, but it, super, but knocked up released later that year. Okay, well that's fair enough. But it was close enough that they were movies that both came out um, and were compared. You know, they share a lot of the same actors. Like they were also compared because of the same filmmakers. Uh to an extent. Like Judd Apatow produced right. Super Bad, but I don't. Yeah. Um, anyways, like I think. Uh, I remember you, like, I think because of where you were at in life, you related a lot more to Knocked Up and, like, Superbad, you probably just kind of thought seemed like a dumb teen movie to an extent. Um, yes and no. Because I remember talking to you about it, and I feel like I kind of got that impression where, to me, like, I thought Knocked Up was funny, but Superbad, like, I totally related to more just because of, like, my age range when the movie came out. And I remember just thinking, like, the way that those characters act in that movie is so close to, like, how me and my friends behaved and, like, talked in high school that I just thought the movie was hilarious. So when Superbad came out... Now, first off, I'm going to preface this. Emma Stone is amazing in the movie, and she's great, and she's, like, probably one of the best parts of the movie for me. But um, when that movie came out, because that movie is about teenagers in high school and, like, the adventures that they go on that one that one wacky night. <laughs> I was in a completely different place in my life yeah. when that movie came out. So my criticism of the movie and not enjoying it was mostly because I had no... Um, I did not idealize with that movie at all. <laughs> right. Now, later repeat viewings, the movie's hysterical, and I totally laugh at it. Yeah. But, okay, and fair I, enough. And I, and I haven't the movie. talked about this movie with you since it came out but it's really like my first initial viewing i'm like this is not what everyone this is not funny (laughs) yeah and then knocked up came out and because of the subject matter of what knocked up's about at the time in my life that that's kind of where i was in my life yeah was funny and you know what i mean like and i totally like understood it um so the humor like landed better for me yeah you know and i totally understand that there is a series of movies um, it was, I don't know if it was meant to be a movie. Uh, Richard Linklater uh, directed uh, the movie uh, Before Sunrise. Okay. Do you know this movie? No, I've like I've heard about it, but yeah, I've okay. never seen it. This I refer to this movie as a Talking Heads film because it's basically two people talking for two hours. Interesting. It's about this. It's about these two people, uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Depley. Uh, they meet on a train in France. They get off the train together. They meet. They're talking. They're having this cool conversation. They get off the train together. Ethan Hawke's flight out of France is the following morning. So they just talk all night until he's got to get on the airplane. And they would just walk around the city and they have this little, like, I don't want to say this little adventure because it's not really an adventure. It's just them getting to know each other. But you move with these characters and, like, they're in their, like, mid-20s, mid-20s-ish when this happens. And... At the time the movie came out, that's exactly where I was. And I'm like, 
this movie is like one of the coolest goddamn movies I've seen. <laughs> right, right. Like this is amazing. And then years later they decided to do a sequel for it. And I watched the sequel and again they meet years later. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. they have this like and it's again another talking heads movie, but real time that's exactly where I was in my life and it's it was amazing. I'm like, this is a fantastic film, and I'm just enjoying like getting this, getting to see these revisit yeah, these characters. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And then bizarrely, they said we're gonna make a third one. Okay. And again, real time, that's exactly where I was in my life when the third one came out. I will say, no matter what hap- like no matter how I look at those movies, that original film because it's before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight. I think is the third film, but before sunrise is, um the best of them um and that's kind of how uh you know super bad just going back to it super bad just wasn't where i was when that movie came out yeah. it's just not where i was in my life yeah so and then uh and that's like the thing was super bad was just like right where my mindset was and i thought it was like amazing and i loved it and i think to me it was just this movie that like yeah it was like a stupid gross out teen comedy but i think the way it's written they made a lot more smart choices than maybe a lot of the other similar movies that came out. Um, Going back to Before Sunrise, uh, Breaking Dawn is in that series too, right? Breaking Mm, Dawn? No. 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 Um, Um, But yeah, I mean, super bad. Like, I think Emma Stone's... uh, she, She played a really cool character in the movie, and she's one of the few people in the movie i just think it's funny who kind of has her like shit together for lack of a better term like she's one of the few people who's like actually pretty mature and stuff like that and i thought she did a good job playing that role okay how about here check this out remember when i remember when we did our batman i looked this up only because i was curious um so remember when we did our batman uh 30th anniversary episode yes and i looked up the production budget for batman 89 Okay. Uh, because the production budget for uh, Avengers Endgame was like three hundred and something billion do- million dollars. So yeah, like three hundred and something million dollars. The production budget for Batman eighty nine was thirty five million dollars. Okay, the production budget for Before Sunrise. Now the movie released in nineteen ninety five, but the production budget Before Sunrise. Um, and I said it's a talking head film. It's basically, um, two actors walking around. Uh, Vienna, yeah. France, just having conversation. The movie's production budget was two point five million dollars. That's a very cheap movie yeah. in the realm of uh, Hollywood box office. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah. All right. Um, this comes. Let's get back on Emma Stone. You um, <laughs> were coming back. This comes back to the and Emma. I know you're listening, so this is all love for you because we like your movies. Um, so. My final pick of the night, and I don't know if you've seen it, and I'm assuming you haven't because we haven't talked about it yet, is, and this is my favorite Emma Stone movie, period, is a movie called Crazy Stupid Love. No. Have you seen I this? I don't think I've seen this. Um, okay. Keep talking. I'm. It sounds familiar. You really need to see know. You really need to see this movie. Um, basically, the so it's Emma Stone, uh, Steve Carell, Julianne Moore, Ryan Gosling. Uh, oh, Marissa yes. Tomei's okay, I remember when this came Basically, out. Steve Carell is going through... He's married to Julianne Moore, who had an affair. They're going through a divorce. And Steve Carell has to go back into the world of dating, and he doesn't know 
how to navigate it because he's been out of the world of dating for so long. Yeah. And he meets Ryan Gosling, who is clearly like God's gift to women, and he takes Steve Carell under his wing and teaches him how the world of dating is is okay. nowadays yeah. and that kind of thing. The movie is so much fun, and there's a mystery behind some things going on. There's like multiple stories going on, and there's mm-hmm. this mystery leading up to this. And I don't want to say a twist, but you're just like, oh, like I wouldn't have seen that coming, kind of moment, and that kind of thing. Like, it's such it's a it's one of those things where you look at the Joker and you go, what a wonderfully crafted movie. When you get done watching this movie, what a wonderfully crafted movie. And Emma Stone is great in the movie. Her role is not nearly as big as I think you would have expected it to be because the other subject matter going on, because it's more of a Steve Carell film. Okay. But her role in the movie is so integral to what takes place. Yeah. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing. It's probably one of the coolest like love story slash romantic comedies there are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I highly, highly recommend this movie. It's crazy, stupid love, um, but seriously, so good. It's funny. It it pulls at the heartstrings right where it needs to. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just good. Okay, so, fair enough. And I don't want to say pull at the heartstrings like it's a serious film. It like gets you like the way it should get you. You know what I mean? All the feels are in the right places and that kind of stuff. And, okay. Um, even make, well spread throughout the comedy is well, well written, well executed, well directed, well performed. Just. All, the, all around, just a good movie. And I don't know anyone who has seen the movie that would argue with me, I don't think, um, in terms of how well the movie is. And I've talked to, and a lot of the love story romantic comedies, you tend to hear in like the female circles where they talk about that specific kind of movie where guys are all like superheroes in space and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys who've seen this movie and they all agree that it's such a good movie. So. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, Crazy Stupid Love was my final pick of the night. Fantastic movie. So Emma Stone, if you're listening, if you heard this, um, we'd love to have you on. We could talk to you more about the movies you've been <laughs> yeah. um, So next week, Peter, um, would normally be your pick. Yes. But because of our recording schedule, it kind of your pick's going to have to get pushed back a week. You okay with that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. It gives you another week to think about yeah. a list. Um, next week, based on the way our episodes drops, if I've done my math right, will be our Halloween episode. So for our listeners next week, we're going to talk Halloween stuff. Um, last year, we had a blast doing our Halloween episode, so I hope we uh, enjoy it again. Like, it was yeah. just a good episode. <laughs> um, this year for Halloween, uh, last year we did... Um, just favorite horror movies Horror movies in, general, in a yeah. general sense. Um, this year we are going to do... We're going to go a little more niche and kind of pick a topic. So we're going to be doing vampire films next week. Um, the genre in general. And if you playing the home game and you want to look it up because you're curious... Um, if you Google list of vampire films, it is massive. It's un insanely. I mean, it's just bizarrely massive how big it is because of when they started making movies and the amount of times the story of Dracula got remade over and over oh, again, yeah. or just a vampire film in general got remade, or movies that like technically you didn't think were vampire films but really are vampire films. It's in crazy how big that list is. And I noticed when I was looking at the list. Um, years ago, because someone asked me a question, I just randomly Googled it. Um, I was like, wow, how many of these have I seen? And it was like, I watched this one, like way at the beginning, because it's Nosferatu, <laughs> which is like one of the original vampire yeah. films. And then I literally had to jump all the way to the 70s. And like, just the mountain of stuff that I hadn't seen because they existed from the decades of the 1930s all the way up to like, through, yeah. you know. So, 
it's just it's such a wide topic, and we got to narrow it down to five. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think I think vampire films will be a good um, good one to talk to talk about. I think it's so. cool too. I don't think there's a lot of, and I might be wrong, but I don't think there's a lot of vampire stuff going on right now. So it's kind of a to me, it's a it's breath of not. fresh air. Um, it it like, is, and you know, there's I mean, I wasn't. I thought about doing zombies, but sorry, Walking Dead, I'm kind of tired of zombies right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe we'll have to save that for next year or something. I don't know. I just vampire sounds like a good idea to talk about, and I, I, I don't necessarily think that Twilight's going to make either one of our lists, but you never know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I kind of think I don't agree that vampires, Twilight, the Twilight characters are vampires, and we can talk about that next week on our Halloween episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's um, a good call. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that list before we close out for the evening? Oh, uh, no, not necessarily. All right, great. Should well, be fun. in that case, if you uh, would, that'd be great if you could check us out at our website, top5report.com. Uh, there you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. Um, you'll also find links to our email, which is top5report at gmail.com. If you want to interact with the show, hit us up there or our social media links. Um, we are on Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm looking to expand that um YouTube's the I guess the big monster that I gotta figure out how to get us on YouTube just because we don't That's we do this take some we do this too. audio and it takes yeah. a lot of work from what I've understand. So until then, yeah. uh, find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, Google Play, and uh, subscribe to us because if you do, you won't miss a single episode. Um, you can also leave us a review. We love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, so uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be trying to raise money for my billboards, announcing that Martian Manhunter is really in the new MCU box set. I swear he's there. You just you got to know where to look, guys. You got, you got to know where to look. It's an Easter egg. Just follow. Um, all right. Well, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.